And we're back. I'm just rolling it up. What do we got here? Some dosi, dosi dough 22 from uh, Jive. Uh, got some skittles right. over here. We got some skittles over here from uh, the Baker's Ranch. Uh, what are you? What are you going to puff on over there, Leland? I've got my truth serum. Oh, truth serum. The soothsayer. Truth serum. <laughs> It's All pretty right. good. Tell us about the truth serum. So it's a OG IBL and a cookie backcross using Gorilla Glue. And uh, it's a strain that I started working on, working at over at uh, Dank by Pank in Colorado. Yeah, those guys grow some absolute fire. And uh, this is just kind of a project that I've been watching grow for a long time and found this plant. And it's just one of those ones that you know, really fall in love with pretty easy. And, um, Oh, it smel- st- smells dang, man. Yeah. Smokes good. Smells good. Um, you know, when, uh, when we found it, we smoked through at least 20 different phenos and, uh, that one we smoked towards the end and I just remember it hitting harder than anything else. And that's, that's really the real way to, yeah, to man, test what you're looking for. Yeah, man, laboratory tests only go so far and we do yep. love our laboratories. We love our purple scientific. Uh-huh. We love our terpene results. We spend thousands of fucking dollars on this shit. Yeah. And, you got to look at what like you can grow everything in the perfect condition and test it to absolute like, you know, mm-hmm. everything you possibly can. But if it don't smoke good. Yeah, if it doesn't smoke good and it grows like shit then, wow. you know. Yeah, like so testing the, the ones that really impress me are uh, guys who haven't updated their growth since 2008 who are growing, still growing the best weed and nothing has changed and they just keep it as simple and consistent as they possibly can. And they're not pursuing the, you know, the top end, like, oh, like how hard can you push a plant? How much light can you give it? How much food can you give it? How much water can I give it? And it's more just, uh, you know, learning a system and keeping up with it. And they don't really need a whole lot to make it shine. And, uh, so when I see somebody who has everything fully dialed and is growing plants, that look amazing. It's definitely impressive, but I don't think it speaks much to the genetic that it can perform in a perfect environment. I think it speaks much more to the genetic one. It smokes amazingly, even when it's grown in a very like, you know, old way. (laughs) Yeah. Or with, you know, random care, like, you know, the guy, the guy who grew this weed cares a lot about his weed. Uh, this is, uh, Fro from Jive and uh, have him on the podcast all the time. He's a great guy. But we were smoking weed recently and he he brought over like seven or eight flavors and they were all grown the same because we both have this like, hey, I want to plant a bunch of seeds and beano hunt attitude. And we're literally looking for the best stuff. We're not really breeding. And, uh, you know, he brings over five or six different strains. They were all grown the same, different strains flowered the same amount of time, given the same fertilizers, and they all looked amazing. But when we went to smoke them, it was a different story, right? Oh, man, this Kim Dog cross was so much superior to everything else and the white ash that just, like, fell off of it. And he's like, yeah, I fed it the same thing. I fed everything else, right? And it's literally just, like, how that plant digest the nutrients so much more efficiently. So, you know, just, and, and all of them, we started talking about it and they all had a unique characteristic that we saw through and, and contributed to either like, you know, a fertilizer application or environmental application that wasn't unique to themselves. But man, that's, that 
is difficult to do is to grow large amounts of cannabis unique to each individual one. Oh, it's very difficult, especially at scale. I think what Leland, Leland was saying too is really important and uh, he's finding a really good cultivar. I mean, uh, when you're pheno hunting, the only thing I ever wish is that I had more seeds of the exact same thing I was looking for. And it was like, I wish I just had one more that had this mm-hmm. slightly more unique characteristic or was easier to grow. Like he mentions a lot of the time because uh, some of the best stuff you find ends up being some of the most difficult stuff to grow as well. Yeah, absolutely. I take this approach to it is I make culls throughout the grow. And as I've done this over the years, I've been doing this for years. Like I'll see plants that don't grow the way I want them to. I just throw them away or give them away to other people. Now, many people tell me this, oh man, that was the best plant I ever had. Oh, I love that genetic. I've been still growing it seven years. Gave me a plant 10 years ago. I hear this story all the time. But for me, I'm like, I'm, I'm really trying to get through it. And I can't see it all. But what I want is I want good growers, right? Specifically for me, I want like stretchers. I want ones that can take abuse and we try to abuse them specifically, right? Because if they can stand abuse, like we said, and still grow great, awesome. I do tend towards a a certain type of, of plant structure and nugget structure, but I can see the beauty of it all too. Um, so I'm, I'm looking for like plant growth first. So I'll make this, these culls that are just like, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't. And I try to plant it such a number that I can do it. Right. And then after we grow the seed out, I don't even usually take cuttings of first seeds. I just see if I want to, right. It's like, Oh no, that turned out pretty good. Now let's really plant it. Right. And, 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 and track it and, and see, cause man, every strain doesn't deserve it. Mm-hmm. Every pack of seeds or Man, we try to pack by the 200, plant by the 200. So every 10 packs of seeds might not deserve like a place in the the clone room. Yeah, it just might have the genetic wasn't right. Well, or I didn't like it, right? I haven't done a lot of breeding, but I've done a lot of uh, seed runs where we do, like you just said, 200 or 500 at a time. And I don't know, time over time over time, we don't keep a single one out of 200. Yeah. It's like you said, someone just, it's as hard as it is after you spent the real estate. It's just some of them don't deserve it though. Yeah, they don't. And We've lost a fair amount of genetics over, well, man, I got these two friends who've kept everything. My buddy Colin and my buddy Fletch, like for 20 years have kept I've got everything. my 5,000 square foot grow with 93 varieties in it. Well, well <laughs> actually, like- both, both, Fletch like, is responsible. I, I've heard that name plenty of times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, He's responsible for getting the OG out to everyone in Colorado. Oh, dude. Uh, Fletch has made it happen for so many people, but- you know, they've been able to retain it. And I was talking to him the other day and he says he has all the strains that we've been smoking and talking about for 20 years. And, but he just usually it's cataloged. It's not something that they often flower or, you know, they randomly do. But point being is no, mostly I've planted out thousands of seeds and there's not terribly many I kept right now. Actually, we have a, uh, we have a train wreck back cross from train wreck seeds we made 10 years ago. That's in the stable. We have a cookies and cream that we picked out of like a a 10-pack search. We have a granddaddy dog that we picked out of the same way. Everything else came either we made or came to us via like a a clone or a, a, a cell culture, right? And we planted out thousands and thousands of seeds. Oh, you, right? got, you got to plant thousands, yo. Yeah, like, right. that's, that's, a thousand is a magic number to find something really special. And I know that just from the experience of, you know, 
I mean, haven't popped a thousand once, but just going through them, you know, hundred, 200 at a time. Like Cause you can every, make something happen at like that. Yeah. Right. Definitely. Like, Hey, I plan a hundred, I plan a hundred, I plan a hundred, I plan a hundred. The 10th pop, you're going to find one. The 10th time you do that, you're going to find a plan that's like, Oh Jesus. Like, was, shit. That was the one. That was the one. And I, I have a buddy like, you know, every now and then it's like a uh, lotto. Like I gave a friend of mine five seeds and he popped him and we found like an all-star. It was like, took five seeds that time. And it's, to this day, out of our commercial varieties, and this goes to what Leland's saying, is probably over half, if not the super majority of them, are still really high-end varieties we paid for from people that sprouted 1,000, 2,000, 3,000 seeds to find mm-hmm. the one winner. Or got lucky, man. You know, that that purple train wreck that's throughout Colorado. Uh, we planted out hundreds and hundreds for years of that same genetic and didn't find a keeper. A friend of ours in San Francisco planted out 10 seeds and found the keeper. <laughs> right. And then we stopped planting out seeds. And then that's the purple train wreck that's in Colorado. Cause we like the weed, but like, we just didn't find the keeper and he just luck of the draw did. So it can happen. You can plant one seed and get fucking lucky. Right. And we see that with all the great, with lots of the great strains out there. We did a Pandora's box back cross. We just had some seeds. We had a whole room that was only Pandora. And then uh, whether it's a light leak or something happens, you know, you have some Hermes here and there. And then we kept the, I mean, there's probably out of a 2000 square foot room, a hundred seeds or so total and found a really, really nice one out of just only sprouting about 20 of them. You know, we get, we got this great job and I kind of touched on this earlier is we get to see these grows all over the country and, and world even, right? People invite us from places all over to come to their grows for either product support or just to like show off or, you know, just to smoke us out. And man, what, what are some of the, like the strange or strange trends you guys are seeing out there? Probably the most common stuff that's being grown are all of the, uh, you know, cake and pie and dessert plants. Which um, I personally like. I, I see the reasoning behind it is because it looks beautiful. They're good growers. Huge potency, great yields, easy to grow. It's the blue dream effect. Yes, yeah, the blue dream effect. Except like at least blue dream like had like a nice dreamy positive high. Like I just haven't been able to enjoy a stone off of any of those plants. Well, hopefully for you, it'll be it'll be a phase, just like you know the gorilla glue days and the right, gas exactly. days. Exactly. It reminds know? me a lot of the yeah, gorilla the, glue man, days. Lava cake's pretty good. No, I'm, 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 I love to see the wedding cake grow. Yeah. Right. We've got yeah, quite oh, a few it's cake a crosses. Blast, blast grow them. Like I said, I see why everybody likes to do it. Yeah. It's pretty. But, um, yeah, it's, I mean, that's, that's customers where like the trends it too. go. Pretty in the garden means pretty in the dispensary, pretty yep. in the, you know, ate the weed. Customers like it too. Yeah. Right. And for me, like, I guess my, I'm a more, I'm more of a, I, I like the smells. So for me, I'll, I'll pass on the looks if it smells amazing and, I follow my nose. I mean, we're hey, this Dosido twenty two is a perfect example yeah. of it. Like it, it, it has it doesn't quite have uh, the same look as maybe uh, you know what do we got over here? The hot rod or the cookies and cream? You know, it, it's thinner calyx. It's white. Yeah, almost. So when I, I mean, when I do shop at a dispensary, it's I walk in and I don't. They're like, well, do you want the most potent thing? And I'm like, no, I want I want what's going to be the most flavorful and smells what the best. T- yeah, what yeah. tastes the best? And what emphasis the best? on flavor. That is nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it is, it is. But, you know, it's different, mm-hmm. right? And we can appreciate it, you know, and, and many people buy it just because it's Dosey Doe 22 or whatnot. But um, it doesn't quite look like what the unit, what the average Joe weed smoker considers good-looking weed. It doesn't look like that. 
Yeah, and that's a that's right. I mean, it's like like we said, it's a trend. I mean, people really like purple. They like frosty. So when you can get purple and frosty and and hit over twenty five percent THC, be like hitting the thirties, mid thirties, then uh, yeah, people are going to eat that up. So man, what do you think about like? What do you guys think about this like this naming thing that's happening right now with with you know people just uh, using like candy bar names or 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 candy names and uh, I mean the cakes and the pastry that type of thing comes in there too but like man something that I've that I've always like how does the how does the rubber meet the road on it right because like a great name doesn't make a great strain. Right. But man, call something sugar babies and it's great. And you're like, God damn, pass on sugar babies. You know? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Back in the day, all um, you had to do is add diesel to it and it would sell twice yeah, as much. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I, I missed that whole train. So I feel, I feel kind of like an old man looking at it confused. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> what happened? <laughs> yeah. And I know, like, you know, the people who are doing that are probably older than me, but it's just like, it's, it's questionable for sure. I think it gives the industry a bad name overall because like it gives the fed something to come after us over. It's like, Oh, well this is obviously marketed towards a child. And it's like, in a way it is, but uh, you know, <laughs> uh, well, we definitely makes me feel childlike all the time. And yeah, it's something exactly. I'm going to constantly yeah. try to hold on to, but it's uh, not for children. Right. Yeah. You, it's, it's easy to take these um, contacts and distort them. If you're not stoned and having positive memories of, going to the fridge at 2 a.m. to eat ice cream and like yeah yeah. Yeah, but too i mean uh even if you're breeding say poinsettias for instance it's up to the person that genuinely creates the that f1 to name it what they they so choose and whether it's based on the genetic lineage or just some random random thought or happening that's it is up to them but much like leland said i think too there's a there should be some regard put out there for how you choose the name and, and respect and common sense maybe well, I've, I've always preferred like some type of gen, genetic tree hint in the name as opposed to calling something cornflakes or sugar babies or something like that, right? Like, you know, at least to, like the cake stuff, you know, you'd be like, oh, it's dosy cake, you know, <laughs> or, or right, right. you know, you, you hear like, you know, what it is, you know. But then, I mean, you got stuff like Race Fuel and Hot Rod and Rude Boy and all great OG crosses that have no, like, name, like hint to their lineage, but are great names. Mm-hmm. You have no idea what they are. Unless, no, you, no, unless, you, you, unless you really know, you look into yeah, it, yeah, you, you, remember, yeah. you know, you figure it out. Right, and Just you can like trust anyway. Leafly or whatever to tell you the correct information because mm-hmm. often it's, it's not really correct. Lugal. Yeah. Yeah, yeah who knows? <laughs> Right. It's like right. Wikipedia. You can kind of say whatever you want. So, yeah. man, we go in these rooms all the time. What about grow trends, man? I mean, you know, a big trend that's been trending hard for a number of years is LEDs. And now it's like double and triple stacked flower and veg of LEDs. <laughs> and like, man, you know, let's, let's talk about that for a second. Yeah, Back to the rubber meets the road. We still help. Uh, we still help consult actually on, on building quite a few grows out. And uh, a lot of the time, I guess, uh, the the triple racking is extensive versus intensive is conversation we have a lot of time and then budget or and building too. Um, so if you know, I guess where I would start if if I had a really small building and my space was going to be limited and I knew I could never expand, I might look at you know some multi tier systems and, and you know sh- you know like a, a pip racking system or something like that. 
But if you can build out a large amount of area and or expand over time, uh, the, the ergonomics in a, in a single tier, in a single plane, um, you're going to grow better product at a cheaper price because you can get to it. It's more accessible. But I would say that those are definitely trends. Um, and we, we still help uh, help people execute both of them. And, and there's issues you have you encounter with them both. Right. And I think LEDs for the first time in the last uh, for the probably the last two years, definitely, and, and maybe three years have been a, uh, a suitable replacement for uh, for mm-hmm. for double ended lights. If you if you're growing at a large enough scale, can anticipate the ROI on them because it is still like, you know, three to five years of the current pricing. But you got to want to do worth it. it. Yeah, that's you your do it. Yeah. If you're getting LEDs, you're planning like, you know, you're going to be running that spot for 15 years. It's pretty yeah. much like what, like, otherwise, if, you, if you're planning on popping it up and shutting it down, then maybe LEDs offer some versatility in terms of like portability. Yeah. You're better off throwing a thousand watts and getting that shelf life out of them because an LED yeah. is built for 10 years and they'll hold that efficiency will hold up. Those standards aren't going to change much past what we've already got. No. Yeah. You're right. I mean, you know, we talk to this about people all the time is like, you know, periods of grow room construction. And you've got like the nineties, the like pre 2009, the, you know, pre, you know, 2014, yeah. we call it. And then like, you fixed, know, fixed modern stuff. Yeah. Ducted right. hoods. <laughs> and the interesting thing is if people do a couple of things, right. Then they've been able to like roll through all of this. Right. And the, the one thing that people do if they do right is their environmental control. Right. If they do their environmental control, if they have a lighting plan that lights the room and associated with the lights they're using and not just thoughts they have on how to put lights up. Right. Then then that'll last a decade. Right. There's, you know, and everything underneath those lights can change over that course of decade because it will. The most important thing is the mechanical system. Like Mm -hmm. you said, the HVAC, the, the heating, the cooling, the dehumidification. One a good point you brought up though with generate the the different generations or decades of growing then I think has been lost over time is the people that originally built and designed the grows ran the grows yeah. and had and had oh, yeah. and had to be responsible for the product produced in them yeah and then today you have tons of people that build and design facilities that have never operated them and never are going to show up after it's done and growers that have never built a system and they're like chefs they're like give me the kitchen and I'll cook in it but I don't know how to put in a vent hood. Right. They're not restaurateurs who are like, oh, here, I put that vent hood in myself, you know, after hours. So I wouldn't have to deal with the permit, you know? <laughs> yeah. But yeah. So, I mean, the LED, though, I think um, in multi-rack system is a, is a great choice. And then uh, with some of your higher discharge LEDs, uh, it's a great choice for even your, your roll top benches and your higher bay lighting situations where most people go wrong. And, and what we see still is just... Uh, they might install a really good control system, but they don't quite understand the mechanical system or how to, you know, uh, run the environment that they want to or need to. Man, contractors all over the the world are putting their two cents in, which is great. That's what's got in Colorado where it's at. But like a, a lot of them are, are kind of wrong. You know, they don't have experience in it or they won't call up the manufacturer. And, as, oh, yeah. you know, you it's really got a weird feeling that, right? having an argument with an engineer about why his logic is wrong. It's very bizarre. Hey guys, just a quick break to tell you about Cultivate OKC, Cultivate Colorado. You know, I got into the uh, hydroponic supply business in 2009. I had wanted to open up a retail hydroponic store for years and I, I was already making potting soil at that point, maybe some fertilizers and some other stuff I was into. 
you know, I hadn't opened up a retail shop and I got this opportunity to open one up in California, right as I was fixing to open up down in Riverside, Colorado came along, ended up being better, bigger opportunity, opened up our Colorado stores. And, you know, man, it's just, we've been off to the races ever since. Now we're in Colorado and in Oklahoma. We ship all over the country and even the world, man. It's amazing the the people that call us, contact us that that needs that need some 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 equipment to grow uh, their fine cannabis with. So if you need any help, any equipment you want to come to a great grow store where people uh, don't judge you we're not click oriented we're just there to help you grow man come see us at cultivate cultivate colorado we're uh, on exit 206 i-25 we're also on the stapleton monaco exit there on uh, i-70 and down in oklahoma city our newest store and man probably our nicest showroom right now is uh we're um right on the corner of 10th and meridian so come check us out 1101 north meridian yeah man got any questions about growing no matter if you're big or small just come on in We'd be glad to chat with you. There's an HVAC conversation we have all the time with people. And, and you know, that's why at, at, at you know, Greener Consulting Group, we have our own HVAC engineer is uh, you'll get an HVAC guy who's like, oh, OK, I can design this and put it in. And he might be a really good person to install equipment, but maybe not the best person to design your room. And if you get that, which is most, honestly, is most of the craftsmen in, in the world, right? They know how to do this one thing or two things. They don't know how to do both sides of it. They can build a house. They can't design it. Right. But man, sometimes they do design the house and there's just not right with it. And the same thing with HVAC guys. And that's why it's really important on your HVAC to like get it like designed by a professional, the equipment supplied by the professional, then get somebody else to install it if you can, or just tell the, the HVAC guy, Hey, this is what I want. And I don't want your math. The wonderful part about you having a professional in house is that, uh, and it's crazy to me is from project to project to project and, and having built 60 or 70 of them though is uh, almost every time it's a brand new engineer. Mm-hmm. And like you just said, mm-hmm. then they're starting for, for over. They, they've never designed one of these spaces and they can absolutely get the yeah, loads yeah, right. And, and maybe, but it's not, it's not going to be a product that someone's learned from generation to generation of, of different growing styles and equipment. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, we, we do all of our stuff in house here and as much as we can but you're right on every single job there's a different contractor and a different plumber and a different electrician that you have to talk to and you know m- many of these operations don't have to have like blue gr- blue print you know uh quality electrical diagrams it, they end up being as good as the electrician is Especially they end up being as good as the hvac is right the overregulation out there allows electricians and other contractors to really, you know, put full investment, so to speak, into the work. Like 
Well, in it, Colorado, they have like a history of it now. Yeah. It's, right. It's so crazy. you could call somebody up and he's like, oh man, I've never done that before, but this guy has, or my buddy has, and he'll tell me how to program or how, you know, and so you get like, Colorado's a, a premium place for it to happen that you can call up any random HVAC guy and 50, 50, it'll work out pretty good for you. Yeah. Right. But, but they the have, rest they, of the country is not as easy. Yeah. They have 10 right? years of experience now though. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And they've forced each other to be super competitive. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Which uh, is a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man. I mean, in Arizona where, uh, where I live, it's, uh, you struggle versus somewhere like Denver to find quality, uh, craftsmen. Right. For specific to the cannabis industry. I mean, if you want to build yeah. a custom house or you want to, like you said, oh, yeah, they there's, there's one specific, specific thing. Yeah. contractors out there. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, there, that's, that's why I started the greener consulting group is because I had contacts in all of these, you know, different groups of people. Right. This huge network of people that could do it right. So I can just call up the engineer who I know has done it before, electrical engineer or plumbing or whatever, or irrigation guy and like get him on the job. It's a better scenario for us. But I tell you, man, if you're out there thinking about building an operation, just call somebody like me. You don't have to call me, but like, you know, uh, greenerconsultinggroup.com is a great place to start. But it, but call somebody who really knows what they're doing and, and don't ask your brother-in-law, who may be a really cool guy. And I got a great brother-in-law, Scott Outlaw. Yeah. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? You know, get like someone who's had a history in building like many of these things. And there are many, many people out there that have seen dozens, built dozens, built hundreds. I mean, at Cultivate Colorado, I don't know how many grow rooms we're helping people build right now <laughs> fuck dude sure, it's been thousands like, and thousands now and thousands. oh yeah man 100 percent. and i mean you guys have seen the same thing too and we've all seen people scale from small to like large and you know it's really important to call people that absolutely have your interest in heart and don't just want to like sell you some stuff and and that's everybody in this room you know yeah i think a couple other trends i've seen too while we were on the topic uh yeah. is uh you brought it up where control systems, um, mm, people have gone yeah. from using almost, you know, thermostats on the wall, uh, to, you know, some really, really simplistic controllers to now a lot of people are investing quite a bit of money in control systems. And then also, uh, dosing systems, whether it's yeah. simple ones to pretty sophisticated ones in, in medium to, to large scale growth. Yeah, absolutely, man. I, uh, I'm just, I've, I've used dosatrons for years. I bought my first one at a police auction. Nobody knew what it was. <laughs> right? I got it for like 10 bucks or something. Oh, that's killer. And I, I, I'd worked with one when I was a kid. That was know. my first experience was as a, as a kid using, uh, the yeah. old, uh, the, uh, the old D12s. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 This was probably a D12 even. I grew tons of weed with that thing. Those things are bulletproof, man. And I hadn't, and I'd kind of gotten away from it for a long time, but uh, now we're here in Oklahoma, such a huge scale. You have to. Absolutely. Right? It, I mean, it saves a, whether it, any of those types of systems, especially the, like a dose, dose type system, the labor savings on a daily basis from mm-hmm. not mixing out and weigh, weighing it, looking at it, it's, you know, precision injection and it's going to be pretty accurate every single time. Right. Yeah, absolutely, man. I, hours. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, you know, there's some limitations to the dosers, but like there's just tons of applications. People have used them for years. I, I actually, we, we started using them again a couple of years ago for our pest control methods, right? Yep. And we mix up a stock solution. I've got like a portable cart with my doser on it, my sprayer on it. And, you know, the whole unit just goes down to whatever section of the garden. I got a hundred foot of hose. We spray everything down the way we want and then just move it to the next section. And 
we put quick connects on it all. And so it just, you know, pops in and out of place and real easy to make. We strapped it all in on a dolly. Oh yeah. You know, <laughs> we started using them for, uh, uh, for even cleaning products. Oh uh, yeah, absolutely. When, notice how wasteful people are, uh, just even measuring out, you know, $3 a gallon bleach or, or, you know, 30 to $50 a gallon, uh, biosafe products, which are wonderful, but you start to see the mismeasurement of them and the savings and the return on that. It's, I mean, it's quick. Yeah, a- absolutely. So, uh, we're, we're on, we're on trends, man. Out, you guys got outdoor, indoor, like, mm, it's always a big conversation with us. Like, you know, how, how big's the outdoor market, you know, how know. bad I is mean, it? We're, how, we're having this like cool know. fusion now. Like the coolest trend I think I've seen has been, uh, the new greenhouses that are getting built, the high wall hardtop. Mm. They're really, uh, making a good case for efficiency in terms of just like yield per square foot amount of turnover and uh the amount of power it takes to run it and keep it stable through all four seasons so you know it's yeah. a pretty high investment I mean, you're looking at basically spending as much money building a greenhouse as you are building an indoor facility potentially more like in the upwards of like three to 350 a square foot but you're building a building that's going to grow weed anywhere in the world or grow any crop anywhere in the world and be able to create any environment that you want um, right. year round. It's pretty phenomenal. So, you know, I've seen these systems running in um, like places uh, where they're dealing with a 20 degree winter, sometimes dipping into the negatives, but then having to combat a hundred degree summer, everything stays stable. They don't skip a beat in their production. It's pretty right. incredible to see. Yeah. You know, it's the, the, the use of thermodynamics is, is you know, as a, as a natural source that we all have is, is incredible. And these greenhouses really like show it. And we use it in our business all the time for, you know, just moving air around. Right. And we see it in grows all the time, but um, you know, the, these high wall greenhouses, you're able to really separate the heat from your greenhouse. You can, you know, there's many ways people do it, but like, you know, passive roofs or roofs that open or roofs that vent or, you know, circulating air from the roof down into the inside of, you know, when Absolutely, it's cold, yeah. like, I, I mean, it's, it's really exciting on what's going on and, and greenhouse efficiency develop and, and man, like all the types of like natural heating and, and cooling technologies that are going on right now, um, water, glycol, like, you know, radiant floor and geothermal, like there's just so many great options. Yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. Right. It's been wonderful. I mean, the, the one thing the cannabis space is afforded from a, a, a price per pound that we get is is investing in some of the best technologies that are available. Mm-hmm. So it's it's great. Yeah. You get to see all that stuff. Yeah, they get to afford to. And, you know, man, I tell you, cannabis growers, man, you guys, like, I just love how excited you get about the next thing because I get excited. Right. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> one thing I, I get excited about, I'm a, I'm a total yeah. nerd for, like, you know, waste potential and just mm-hmm. all the stuff we throw away that we view as trash and like the ways the the things that we're going to figure out to you know incinerate and recapture and concentrate that and turn it into something that's usable um whether it's more plastic whether it's compost you know there's there's a lot of potential on the horizon to clean up our mess and make an industry out of it yeah and those uh, are the cool things man. that i see um so you know i i choose to have potential for the future and the outcomes and the science that's being applied to the situations that we're in that we contribute to every single day because in my opinion like there's 
never anything short of potential in every situation. Okay. Okay. Well, if you, if you've been listening to the, the podcast for a while, then you know that I like potting soil, make potting soil, cocoa, potting soil specifically. And, you know, I just wanted to talk to you about how much I love cocoa fiber and why you should use it and why your plants should be in cocoa fiber. And they're going to love it too. One man, my new product, Cocoa's Growers HP is just an incredibly clean product and made for indoor cultivation. I mean, you can use it anywhere, but man, it is clean as you can get it. We try extremely hard to avoid all cross-contamination, all bugs, weeds, and seeds. We keep it all inside. It's manufactured all inside. We treat it like a bakery. We start out clean. We end clean. We clean up while we're going through the day. We really try to take a great effort to put this quality product together. So the number one reason you should use Growers HP is, man, it is clean. Number two reason you should use Growers HP is, man... This this product, we have developed it, man, almost specifically because we want to see like just incredible root development and root growth. And that's what this product does. You know, I used to be a diehard cocoa only guy, compost cocoa, and I just saw the benefits of peat. And so we started putting small amounts of peat in it. Man, the, the roots take off. Cocoa and peat just blend together so well. So there's there's the second reason that you should buy Growers HP is, man, just to increase root development. Now, the third reason you should buy Cocoa HP is because, man, it's a really light potting soil. And when I mean light, I mean that like you can, most people can pick up four bags at once, kind of no problem. It's light like this because of the way we make it, the way we can control how much water we put in it. We make it a really dry elevation, a really dry high elevation area in Colorado. So it dries out really nicely. And when it gets in the bag, man, it's, it's, it's as light, it's lighter than any potting soil of two cubic foot that you can get. So uh, there's the third reason, man, is it's really light product that the moisture is controlled in it specifically. Now, the fourth reason, man, it's a real easy one, man. It's just because your friend Chip asked you to go support him, support the real dirt, and buy some Growers HP. So there you have it, man. Top four reasons why you should use Growers HP in your garden. Yeah, it's important for us to be stewards of the land, of the world, of our community, of each other. And that means, you know, like really thinking about your impact and, and you know, h- how you can benefit the most from it and uh, limit, it, limit it the most. You know, it's this constant, constant battle, but it's something all business should think about. Blow, being blowing off, you know, environmental concerns, man, you, you might be able to save like, you know, 20 or 30% on your waste removal. If you contact your, you know, manufacturers or vendors alone and say, Hey, don't send the plastic, don't send the cardboard, don't wrap it to me. I mean, there's all kinds of like conversations you can have with people and many vendors, they'll still, Oh yeah, sure. You know, I won't put a pallet topper on it for you. You know, I'll only wrap it twice for you. And that's like better for you because you're putting 20% less Mm -hmm. into waste disposal. And, you know, that's just one thing, way to think about, you know, our environmentalism and and how there's a return on investment and the smart business people, they try to hustle that all the time. 
And even, yeah, I mean, even at front row, I mean, uh, using a, a dry soluble fertilizer that you're not buying excessive amounts of liquid bottles and then putting that burden on the environment. I mean, people they look at it differently, but it's uh, when you use something that goes the furthest and, and has the highest usage, you're, you're give me, going up. Give me a stat on that. How many, one bag of front row, which is a 25 pound bag, something yep. right? Yep. 25 pound bag. And it's like, I don't know, it's 20 doing, inches, 24 to, inches by like 16 inches. It's, it's that's how big like the bag is, right? 12 to 17 gallons, depending on the part. Usually. So that's 12 yeah. to 17 gallons. So that would mean, you, you know, you know, you would have 17 one-gallon containers. Okay, per, you per only 25-pound oh, bag. Yeah, you, nope. for one 25-pound bag. Oh, you use five-gallon containers. Well, man, you'd still have four you know, if you have 17 gallons, because oh, yeah. like your two and a half gallons got to come from somewhere. Yeah. And then, the right. de- the, well, and then the density of those materials from a, an injection mold bottle or whatever it is. Yeah. That's, that's crazy. Yeah. It, it, exactly. So, you know, it, let, let, we should all think about it, man. That's for sure. No matter what it is in our business. Right. Mm-hmm. Hey man, we're we're already kind of into the future, dude. Let's let me let me let me hear some predictions. What's what's going what's going on next? What's happening next in cannabis? Oh boy. <laughs> that's a lot. Yeah, that's a uh, lot. Um, uh, I, just I would pick, like to, just pick just pick one. <laughs> um, I would I would like to think uh, you know we were talking about the greenhouses. Uh, yeah, there would be some more efficiency from that standpoint. Um, hopefully, some more um, investment into stewardship. You know, as we run into problems, like we've always been problem solvers. We like to throw ourselves at problems and make things better. And I think that's one of the coolest things. Like. Uh, Going back to one of our first conversations we had about the liquid nutrients and like making it fun. Like how else do we keep making this fun? Mm-hmm. And so I think mm-hmm. being able to like, you know, think beyond just the grow and like how we're taking care of ourselves in the back end. I think that's a trend that's developing. And uh, yeah. as as a community forms and a network forms and we get consumers and we get direct consumer feedback. And now we hear from people and and dollars are speaking on a legal on a legal basis every day. So um, I think that's one trend that's developed pretty quickly. And then, uh, yeah, another one would probably just be uh, the weeds getting danker. Weeds <laughs> getting does always get better. Watch out. Yep. We're yeah. going hey, to have 50%ers. You guys remember Cheech and Chong? He, one of the things that they made this joke is like, it was a grow joke. It was like, I want the Afghan that don't stink. Right, <laughs> and you know the joke there is you don't want anybody to smell it oh, because yeah. you're growing it, or you're like transporting across the country, or in the don't airport. You don't want to get caught, but like now it's a different story. Yeah, right. Your Afghan gotta stink. It's gotta stink. Yeah, <laughs> I think on the the flip side, uh, from um, you know the future and what I've been seeing, uh, definitely from a trend is especially in limited license states where you're say you're like in a Maryland or Arizona states that don't just have, you know, like 900 growers like Colorado, for instance, uh, the most successful uh, operators in those states uh, have started uh, consolidating some of the businesses in those states and then also going out and becoming uh, more and more often what we refer to as multi-state operators as well. So just from a, a general trend and, and what's, you know, continues to happen in the future, mm-hmm. I, I've, I've found that interesting as well. Yeah, no, you're right. MSOs are, uh, that's a new buzzword, 2021. Yeah. Right. That's for sure. It's going to continue, man. We got some new markets coming too. I'm excited about that. And, you know, we've, we have, we've been a part of the green rush, you know, for my whole life really. And, 
you know, late nineties, we ran to California when they legalized it over there and have like popped all around California and Colorado and now Oklahoma and been into so many different States and like the, the Southern it, States coming up too. And man, that's the interesting thing I see is now it's going to all, you know, like different climates, different people, different applications. A lot of the Southern States is just like, Oh, it's going to be 5% THC. So that's going to be different. <laughs> like, you know, requirements of like cultivation, different requirements of uh, extraction, different products than like what's happening in Colorado, you know, which is like this awesome high quality, you know, uh, uh, a product coming to the marketplace, cream rising to the top. And that excites me to see because that's really uh, the market developing because it's not just one way. There's so many different ways to like you work with this plant. Yeah, definitely. That's a, a big part of the potential in it uh, that's untapped is the, our markets are still developing on the smokable flower side. Like we haven't even, mm-hmm. like we're still ground floor. It's going to double in size in the market once all the states are legal. So it's, there's that to contend for as well as the industrial applications. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the potential for this crop to really change the way that we farm is pretty incredible. It's, it's awesome. I think one thing for the future that Leland, Leland touched on as well, and I, I found important and maybe in the stewardship, stewardship side of it is uh, the footprint of the industry, uh, the mm-hmm. focus on greenhouse and outdoor and, mm-hmm. and states that are really well equipped for that uh, um, and being able to grow at a, at a more expensive level in those. I think that's going to be good for the future. Um, you know, some of the uh, southwestern states where it's dry and temperate uh, during certain parts of the year are going to be great for right. growing outdoor and in greenhouse climates. Yeah, absolutely, ma'am. And then you won't have to have uh, these mega facilities that have, you know, powered and manned multiple times more than data centers and then mm-hmm. hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a- a- absolutely, man. It's, you know, weed has grown all over the planet in so many different ways, but the commercial aspect of smokable flour has been concentrated in kind of the northern latitudes, the northern western latitudes, specifically in the U.S., but like Canada, Washington, Oregon, California, you know, those have been major, major, major producers for years and years and years. And now like there's all these local regional producers, they all are following trends and making their own all at the same time, man. Oh yeah. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Damn guys, man, this has been such an awesome real dirt episode. Uh, um, We've been trying, me and Leland have been trying to put this together for two years I haven't made enough time for it. And then there was this weird international like thing that happened, (laughs) you know, I wish we could have just like, you know, just, you know, gum, you know, it's it's almost like, like getting held back a year. Yeah. Right. I'm excited for the trade shows coming up. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Well, you know what happens when you get held back a year, then you're bigger than the, everybody else in your class. (laughs) <laughs> there you go. It's been helpful. It's a good way to look at it. It's positivity. No, it is positivity. It's been and, and for the cannabis industry, like it's proven great in so many different ways. Uh, you know, but unemployed people smoke more weed. 
hmm, stressed out people like to smoke more yeah. weed. There's more legal weed, more different environments. It's given people a chance to prove it and use it. There's like drug testing that hasn't gone on. And, you know, so we were like, oh, man, well, I'm not going back to work for six months. I might as well puffy puff puff. <laughs> yeah, no, and yeah, nobody's watching me now. I'm, I'm working from home. Oh, man, you yeah. know, in Colorado, like consumption didn't drop at all, but tourism almost stopped. Yeah. So yeah. basically <laughs> all of the locals are like puff, puff, puff. Yeah. 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 But literally the, the year before, fifty percent of the business came from tourism. Crazy, right? And so everybody and just, just started like, twice, twice as, as much. much. Dang. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Every every state we're involved in uh, cultivating, we've seen usage during uh, during COVID go up. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Abs- absolutely. And and uh, our industry is going to continue to grow and rise. And hey, man, if you guys got any questions, I want you to reach out to Front Row on their Instagram site, on their website, their phone number, which is what's the phone number? You oh, put me on the spot again. I know, right? Oh, right. boy. Yeah, um, yeah. Let's you do call, this. Call Leland. Um, yeah, get us right here. Call Zach. Or go ahead. Oh. <laughs> um, uh, you can you can get us on uh on the website under the customer service section it's just a form to fill out bust out that form real quick and uh you know either me or one of the other guys on the team will get with you asap yep. we're really yeah, really good website. about responding that way mm-hmm. um that goes straight to our emails we get yeah notifications and uh you know everybody's everybody loves doing it through email uh that way we can uh, just keep the conversation kind of recorded and go back because it gets overwhelming. If you're going to call us and just keep calling, then uh, especially through the 1-800 number, then we really have no recollection or record of the conversation. So <laughs> go to go to, yeah. uh, w, go to www.frontrowag.com and yeah, fill front, out the form. Frontrowag.com, <laughs> fill out the form. That's the way. Right. And then tell them, tell them that you are listening to the podcast and I will hook you up for sure. Yeah, tell them Chip sent you. Say, yep. hey, man, I listen to Chip's podcast all the time. Thank you. We'll get you, we'll get you some bags great. of fertilizer. <laughs> 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 no, people say that to me all the time, man. And that's really what the purpose of this is, is I want people to have better experience, to do better. I'm interested in what people like you guys are doing in the industry. And and I truly want to like convey actual knowledge to the people that want to get into the cannabis industry or are already here. Right. Because you guys are the the future growers, the future business people, the current business people. And man, like we're, we're, we're all together here. So we're here for support. Call Cultivate Colorado, Cultivate OKC, CultivateOKC.com. You can order almost anything you want there. You can sign up for a commercial account. Uh, you got any questions, just stop in any one of the stores or give us a call and we'd be glad to help you out. If you loved this episode, please go to iTunes and Spotify and subscribe to the Real Dirt Podcast. The more of you that subscribe, the better off we are. Man, if you want to just download the episode off our website, man, that's awesome too. Go to therealdirt.com. Man, and always enjoy that next joint. And uh, yeah, man, think about uh, think about better things. Real dirt. <laughs>